This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ, this is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. David Raznick, ah, for the umpteenth time, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Jeremy, I swear, man, it's good to see you again and hear your voice. I'm glad to be with you. It's always, I'm always glad to be with you too. Um, and I, I must just say that I got some comments recently. People were moaning, saying that I'm, I'm being very disrespectful by drinking whiskey while I'm talking to my guests. Am I being disrespectful to you? Not to me. I wish I had one myself. I got a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's too early in the day for you. That's true. <laughs> How is the information war treating you? Oh, well, I tell you, life is not bad because um, one of the extraordinarily, you're not going to believe this, one of the good things about this COVID insanity is that now all of us who are fighting AIDS for decades, we're more popular than we've ever been. People are contacting us from all over the world. I stay very, very busy. And uh, I'm meeting a whole menagerie of people, mm. you know, different backgrounds that I never even knew before. And we're all coming together and being friends, you know, and contributing what we know to and to, with what they know all over the world. And there's a, a great amount of clarity for all of us right now, for many, many aspects of life. And that is one of the good things. If, if you if you have to look at what's going on, it's not a dark, it's not everything is dark. Uh, the fact that we're all coming together and sharing information, that is a very positive and good thing. And it took this crazy insanity of COVID to do that. But in a way, it's a blessing, if you can believe that. I agree with you. Um, I mean, you and I wouldn't be talking otherwise. Yeah. And talking we are. And our topic this time around is cancer. Now, I don't really know where to start. So you're going to have to start for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit. Um, I worked uh, on a lot of tissue-destroying diseases uh, in the 1980s. Arthritis, emphysema, parasites, and cancer. Those are tissue-destroying diseases. And uh, I, I was primarily focused on the enzymes that actually do the destruction. Mm. So uh, I collaborated with oncologists and other people who knew cancer, and I knew chemistry, and I knew the enzymes, and I made the inhibitors that they could put in animal models or whatever and see if it, if it had a beneficial effect to the animals, for example. But I really was, in those days, in the 80s, I was not up on the theories of cancer. I uh, accepted what I was taught in school, what, what the oncologist people, cancer researchers that I was collaborating with, they had the models, and I made the molecules. And then I gave them that. We'd talk and exchange stuff. Now, my real uh, uh, venture into cancer of significance started uh, in the mid-1990s when I joined up with Professor Peter Duesberg at University of California at Berkeley. Uh, I left the pharmaceutical biotech industry for good in 1996. I had my fill, fill of it at that time. And uh, I went there to help support Peter in his fight, uh, his struggles against the AIDS insanity, which you and I have talked about before. 
And, uh, but in the meantime, Peter is primarily a cancer researcher, and I was not, but we joined forces. We worked half-time on AIDS and the other half on cancer, and uh, it, this is another one of these benefits of a we really weird thing happening, this AIDS insanity. Uh, had it not been for the AIDS scandal, I would have never joined up with Peter and done the most important work of my life on, on, on cancer research as a consequence of that. And basically, in essence, uh, and it happened uh, one day when we were at a coffee shop. Peter was uh, in, uh, I think it was uh, 1996, there about, 97, 96, I remember the exact year. He couldn't get grant funding anymore because of his opposition to the HIV hypothesis of AIDS. And he wanted to start looking at uh, unbalanced chromosomes. He'd been thinking about it for years. The aneuploidy, that's the fancy word for imbalance of chromosomes. And he had the opportunity to do what's called a sabbatical leave and went to Germany to uh, do some experiments and see what was what, what there was of significance or importance, if anything, about this aneuploidy or chromosomal imbalance theory of cancer. So he went to Germany to do that experimentally. And at this coffee shop, we had this conversation right before he was days or a week before he left and uh, uh, he, he he was telling me about this and I, I had been looking at single proteins or single genes you know and aneuploidy you're talking about hundreds or thousands or ten thousand genes that are being imbalanced all right and I had a specific gene or a specific gene product that I had tried to make a drug for and I you know I was thinking how, how can I think about thousands of these things now you know and then I, I asked Peter, I said, Peter, do you mean it's just numbers? You know, just the, the, the sheer numbers that are involved? And he said, yes. So then when Peter went to, uh, went to Germany, I went to the libraries. UC Berkeley had like 30 some odd libraries. I forget how many of them, world-class libraries. And I started coming up to speed on chromosomal imbalance. I looked, uh, look, look, looked up the literature on it and everything. And, uh, I, and there was a lot of work on it. It goes back to the 19th century. People had actually uh, been talking about this. Theodore Boveri, uh, David Hanselman, and some others. And uh, I came up to speed on this. And lo and behold, uh, there was a paper by Heinrich uh, Kaxer. Uh, it was in the early 1970s, early mid-1970s, what's called metabolic control analysis. And I looked at this early stuff, and I got it, and it was like a, a light bulb, or what do you call it, a, a, a red pill moment, you know? But I looked at this stuff, and I got it. I absolutely got it. It was extraordinary. Uh, I, I was able, I, I wrote, I understood, I understood it. Now, this doesn't mean anything to your listeners right now, or you either. It's just sort of a background. We'll get mm -hmm. into the, the nuts and bolts in a little bit. But I, I actually, before, while Peter was in Germany, I went and understood this stuff and wrote 90% of my first paper on the uh, aneuploidy theory of cancer before Peter even came, came back from Germany. All right. Now, let's get into it. Mm. And uh, we can share my screen if you want to. There we go. To see. All right. Yep. And uh, so that's just the title. Now, uh, let's start with just a picture. Anybody could use a light microscope, like in a high school lab or something like that. Uh, this screen shows what normal cells look like that have, uh, we humans have 46 chromosomes. 
Uh, the chromosomes uh, come in pairs. You get uh, half of your chromosomes, 23 from your mother, 23 from your father, and for a total of 46. And uh, you can see at the top of, the, of this uh, picture, normal cells, they have these tiny little black things. Those are the nuclei in the normal cells. And then they're covered, or they're in the center of the cell, the cytoplasm there. And you can see they're relatively small and they all look about the same size. And then you look at the cancer cells on the same slide, that's down below, uh, they typically have 60 to 90 chromosomes instead of the normal 46. And you see that the nuclei are very, very large. In many cases, the little cytoplasm or the clear part is almost non-existent. Uh, this is what uh, uh, pathologists use. They use this visual image, and they have been now, God, for early part of the 20th century, where they look for these very large nuclei when, they're, when the pathologist is looking for cancer, and they use the normal cells nearby as a reference, uh, and then they determine whether or not it's cancer or not. That's what they look for, this, this huge, huge, large, large nuclei. And the reason the nucleides are so large is because they're crammed full of too many chromosomes. All right, so that's, that's the first thing right there. Just obviously you can look at it, and this is what pathologists look at. You don't have to have a theory of cancer or anything. It's just that whenever you have cancer, you have these huge uh, nuclei, these cells that have a large number of chromosomes. And a pathologist, they don't know why that, that has anything to do with cancer, but they know it's cancer. All right? Now, I'm not even going to worry about this part. Uh, the, the gene mutation people are what's the prevailing thing on cancer is that you have all these networks and they're trying to find all these genes, these individuals. They think out of these 20,000 human genes that there is a gene or five or six or seven or whatever they get mutated and cause cancer. And then they have all these fancy, look like subway maps where they're trying to look and figure out a reductionist pathway about how these individual genes cause cancer. I'll cut the chase right now and, and, and say flat out that they totally have it wrong. All the people that are talking about gene mutations causing cancer are flat out wrong. It just doesn't work. And they've been looking at this now for almost a century, trying to find the genes that cause cancer, and they haven't really found any. There's not a single gene or gene mutation that people claim cause cancer that has actually been demonstrated to cause cancer. Uh, that's that's right. the that's the current conventional yes. hypothesis, right? Okay, that's right, right. The the oncogenes or uh, cancer causing genes, the so called tumor suppressor genes, the genes that prevent uh, cancer from happening if they get mutations in them, then the the oncogenes can take over. Okay, now here is the theory that uh, Peter Duisberg and I have come up with uh, since the nineteen mid nineteen nineties. The aneuploidy theory of cancer, and I've actually published a book on this. It's called the chromosomal imbalance theory of mm. cancer. The autocatalyzed progression of aneuploidy is carcinogenesis. That's that was a book that I published. Uh, I don't remember the exact year. It was in the, you know, the early 2000s for cancer researchers. It's got 1,100 references. It, it addresses the conventional gene mutation theory of cancer and the chromosomal imbalance theory uh, of uh, of cancer. Now let's look, uh, on this slide we see the, the history of the aneuploidy theory of cancer. It's a timeline. Back down uh, as early as 1891, uh, that's David Hanselman. 
and he was using a light microscope. One reason why they call chromosomes chromosomes, because chrome means you can see them without staining. When the cells start dividing, the chromosomes condense, and you can actually see these look like little bow ties that, we, uh, that we'll, we'll see a little bit early, uh, later on. And, and he saw this. Whenever he looked at a cancer cell and he compared it to normal cells, they had a wrong number of chromosomes, just massive numbers of chromosomes, and never the same collection of chromosomes. David Hanselman saw that. Theodore Boveri, 1914, he wrote a book about this. He died in 1915, so I'm so, so glad that he got that book published before he died. It is a, is a very early theory of the chromosomal imbalance theory of cancer, and he got it right. Unfortunately, I mean, he really did get it right. He didn't have the techniques and everything that we did, but basically what we did is prove that Bovary was right. And he died in 1915. Of course, uh, most people know that 1914 was the beginning of World War I. So you have World War I starting, and he died in 1915. So that sort of stopped everything while the world was going to war there. And of course, in Germany, between the wars, between World War I and World War II, uh, there was just, just uh, a horrible time in Germany going on there. And the camp, his theory never had a chance to take off. Because of World War One, he died in 1915, and then World War Two came right after that, the Nazis and all that mess. So basically, we had uh, a couple of decades there before you try to revive what's going on with this theory. But unfortunately, uh, the, uh, the gene stuff started taking off back in the 50s. You had uh, Watson and Crick come up with the with the structure of the double helix and DNA, and everybody got all excited about that, state-of-the-art and everything. And then that, so that, that sort of diverted, diverted uh, what uh, Bovary and Hanselman had done earlier. And then uh, Peter and I picked it up, as I'd mentioned earlier, uh, back in the uh, mid, mid to late 90s, and we started working on aneuploidy theory, and uh, we got other people working on it in 1999. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, I really hate it, and I can't remember his name. He's a friend of mine down there at the bottom. But anyway, uh, he, he was a, a big, strong supporter of this. And then there was, uh, in 2003, Scientific American Untangling the Roots of Cancer. 2004, we had our first conference on aneuploidy and cancer international conference. We've had three of those over the years which typically about a third of the people that came to these conferences were uh, uh, gene mutation people, but they still came. We invited lots of these folks there, and we had our second one in 2008. We had another one, which uh, this slide is old. We had our, our third one, I think it was in 2016, uh, uh, 20, uh, I, I can't remember when it was right now, but you see, we uh, th this is sort of the timeline. Mm. Now, I haven't, this, these are old slides. Uh, you invited me to talk about cancer, and people are wanting me to talk about COVID and AIDS and all that, and I haven't really worked on these since then. <laughs> but these, these, will do, these will do just fine for now. All right, here, here's what Hanselman saw. Uh, I won't belabor it too long. Uh, I just want to show these visual things. This was 1891. And Hanselman, his low magnification explanation, he looked through the microscope. And you can see that these cells, these cells are dividing. That's when the cells divide. And these, uh, these little black parts within the cell, those are the chromosomes. And you see they're not balanced. 
these images that he are showing normally in, in a normal cell division, you look down here at number 10, for example, you can see, look, they look like they're balanced and they're pulling across. That's normal. But all of the other ones, you see there's an imbalance in the chromosomes that are being pulled apart. And he noticed that's what you see every time a cancer cell divides. That's still true to this day. Sure. And here's Theodore Boveri again. This is just a, a, a bigger picture of him. And he formulated his theory in uh, uh, 1914. And, and like I said, it, it's true. Let's see. Do I need to get into this? Oh, some of the things that are important. Uh, aneuploidy or chromosomal imbalance always precedes the turning, the transformation of a normal cell into a cancer cell. There is no such thing as a cancer cell that has a balanced set of chromosomes. Peter, this doesn't exist anywhere in the literature. Peter and I have asked people, other cancer researchers, looked in the literature, can anybody show us, show us a bona fide, authentic cancer cell that has the appropriate of the normal 46, balanced 46 chromosomes in a cell that doesn't exist anywhere. And anybody who says otherwise, tell them to send you the reference and the literature or the evidence where that exists. And this, and this aneuploidy, this chromosomal imbalance always precedes cancer. And the more of the imbalance of chromosomes, the more advanced the cancer. We have demonstrated that. People for decades have demonstrated that. David, can I j and just pause you just for ahead. a moment? Because I just want to make sure, sure. That, I'm f that I'm following you. So okay. th thus far, what, what you're saying is that the current understanding or the current messaging is that uh, cancerous cells are... Uh, they form because of something to do with the genetics. And what you're saying is that it's actually not. It's got to do with the balance of chromosomes. That's right. And I'll get into how that works later, why, okay. that, why that's sure. important. Right now, it's just what is, what people have observed. And then we'll get into right. what, how, that, how that causes cancer, how it, it's a natural result of it. But the, the first thing is, is look at the, look at the evidence. There's no such thing as a cancer cell that has a balanced set of chromosomes. That's number one importance. And we've really been trying to nail that for decades. And every time some cancer researcher, big shot says, oh no, there's an exception, they can never come up with the exception. All right. And the other thing is, is that a balanced set of chromosomes, a balanced set of chromosomes are extraordinarily stable, extraordinarily stable. We have our balanced 46 chromosomes and the, uh, the, the uh, calculated number of mutations, we have about 3 billion nucleotides in our genome, human genome, 3 billion nucleotides. And there's about three gene mutations per cell division. In other words, three nucleotides out of 3 billion are mutated and almost all of them are irrelevant or, or, don't, or don't do anything, all right? And our cells, and uh, an adult human being has about 10,000 trillion cell divisions. Jeez. Think about that. 10,000 trillion cell divisions. All right. And yet, you, you know, we, and, and with those three, and it's about, I, th I think the number is 10 trillion mutations for every gene that we have over a lifetime. All right. So if, G if, 
gene mutations cause cancer. When you look at those numbers, we should all we, we shouldn't even be alive. <laughs> we should be we should have cancer before we're born or before. We're, I mean, it can't. And we'll get into this later. Mm. Cancer uh, is a very rare event, or used to be. Now it's very common. There uh, again, cutting to the chase. Uh, cancer, the prevalence of cancer, the increase in cancer worldwide is due to the the increase in carcinogens in our environment. Wow. Normal when you don't have these carcinogens in the environment, we are very very resistant to cancer because of uh, because the normal balanced chromosome set is very very stable. On the contrary, when you have an imbalance of chromosomes, they are intrinsically unstable. And as they cells divide, they increase the instability and just progresses over time. We'll show, we'll have more to say about that as, as we proceed. Uh, hold on, Dave. So, so sure. are, you, are you saying that, for example, during the time of the Roman Empire, cancer would have been cancer prevalence would have been very low? Yeah, pretty close to zero. Wow. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Even before the Industrial Revolution, mm. it was pretty close to zero. Industrial Revolution increased uh, uh, carcinogens, pollution in the environment. Almost all cancer, almost all cancer is due to environmental carcinogens, poisons that we put it, put in the environment. And, okay, could, I'm not, could, and could those poisons also be uh, perhaps childhood vaccinations? Oh, Lord, yes. I mean, anything you... Uh, oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, I mean, the, uh, we're, we're getting... Our mm. environment includes what we breathe, what we eat, what we're exposed to, what we right. inject in ourselves. I mean, yeah, it's totally environmental. Let me, uh, I could go on for hours and hours, of course, on this. So let me, uh, <laughs> let, me <laughs> let me try to keep it. You wanted it really simple in the beginning to show people. Yes. And I wanted to have images. So let me see if I can make this. I had a little video here, of normal cell division. I don't know if it, if I killed my little normal cell division or not uh, oh here we go anyway it, that that movie doesn't show up right now but it shows basically because i i, I didn't prepare this for our, our talk unfortunately mm. i had to set up for a, a youtube thing and it went all by itself without me so i had to delete a, delete a lot of that stuff just for, for this thing but um here here's what the chromosomes look like during cell division the thing on the left, my left, I guess, also for your where mm. you have the red and blue. The, the, yeah, the, that the shows white with the, the white. Chromosomes. Yeah, that shows the chromosomes that you can see that David Hanselman and and Bovary could see during cell division. The blue are the chromosomes themselves. They didn't have it stained in their day, and the red are are the little microtubules that are attached to the chromosomes. And this is right during mitosis when the cell is about to divide and pull the blue chromosomes apart. When during cell division we have our 46 chromosomes, and right before cell division we divide, uh, we, we uh, duplicate all of those to make 92, 92 chromosomes, and then the cells when they divide they pull pull them across such that each new cell will have a complete set of 46 chromosomes, and that's what you see on the left and the right on on, on the thing on there with the red and the blue. On the right is if you rotate that 90 degrees you'll see that the chromosomes, those little chromosomes are, are like in a circle. See a little hole in the middle there? And that little circle will show all the chromosomes that are, that are going to be pulled apart during the, what's called a metaphase plate 
And on the, on the left one, it's going from left and right they're pulling. The black and white image is if it's being pulled from towards you and away from you, if you're looking at the screen. And you get to see that the chromosomes are all balanced. This is a balanced set of chromosomes. And that balance is, is very important because then it allows for the forces to be balanced. And then the, the, the 46 chromosomes, 20, uh, 46 on each side, uh, uh, are, are produced. If you get an imbalance there, you disrupt the ability of the cell to maintain that balance of 46 chromosomes. This is just another, another uh, uh, picture. It shows that one side you've got uh, the haploid set, that's half of the chromosome. Diploid means you get half of the chromosomes from the mother, half from the father, and you just see how they're, they're oriented around there. Okay, this was supposed to be a movie too, and as you can see, it didn't show up. Sorry about that, folks. But uh, here are the uh, normal human chromosomes, 46 chromosomes, DNA index of one. It means basically a DNA index, you divide the total number of chromosomes by the normal number of 46, and if you got 46 <laughs> normal, divide by 46, you get one. So, Cancer sorry. cells sorry, typically this... ha have a... Go ahead. Sorry, David, at this stage, <laughs> I'm looking yeah. at that and I see science telling me we only have men and women. <laughs> <laughs> there is a difference. There is a, males, do we all have the same chromosome sec, set, uh, except males have only one X chromosome? Look, look down the box and they have one tiny little Y chromosome. The females have two X chromosomes. Mm. And they have no Y chromosome. <laughs> so when you look at this image, actually men are slightly aneuploid compared to compared to women because we have that Y chromosome and they don't have it. And a lot of people might say that's why men are screwier than women because we're slightly <laughs> aneuploid. <laughs> anyway, please go on. I interrupted you. Yeah, please go on. Okay, here's <clears> cancer. <throat> this is a uh, this has a DNA index of 1.7, 78 chromosomes divided by 46, a DNA index of 1.7 which is typical of advanced cancer. And this happened to be from uh, uh, aneuploid cell from a cancer, cancer cell. Now, I want to also stress this. All normal cells have the balanced 46 chromosomes in humans, all of our cells throughout our body. All cancer cells have an unbalanced set of chromosomes, and no two of them have the same set of chromosomes. No two cancer cells have the same complement of chromosomes. It's like shuffling a deck of cards. You know, every time you shuffle a deck of cards, you're gonna you're gonna get a different a different deck of cards. Every, or every time you play a game of chess, no two games of chess have the exact same moves for all of them, because you're just scrambling them up. So this particular collection of chromosomes that you see here is unique for that one cell not for any other cell that was in that same tumor. Wow. Let's just keep going. That is now, insane. Here's, what, here's euploidy. Euploidy means a balanced set of chromosomes. It can be 46, where we have 23 from the mother, 23 from the father for a total of 46. Or you can have euploidy where it's balanced, where we have four copies of everything. This is called tetraploidy, but it's balanced. It's not cancerous. And this, this happens to be a male. See, you see it has down at the lower right two X chromosomes and two Y chromosomes. It's balanced, which means that you can actually get somebody that looks like a human. They're born. They usually die within weeks if they're born at all. So now here's the next one. 
on the left, normal diploid chromosomes, the cancer aneuploid cells, you see that the numbers of chromosomes are different here. And then down here at the bottom, you see all these little ones, but they're multiple different colors. Those are what are called marker chromosomes. And those happen in cancer cells all the time. And you can follow what are called um, uh, uh, clonal cancer by looking if, it had, if, a can if a different tumor in a different part of the body has one of these little marker chromosomes down at the bottom, you, you know where it came from. I know it's a lot of stuff uh, for people, to, but I wanted them, want them to see the pictures. Sure. Okay, here's Bovary's mutation mechanism. Okay, let's look at these pictures. The picture on the left, the red and the blue and the little green things, that's a normal cell. When you have uh, at the, the, the top of that one on the left, an A, you have the chromosomes that are in blue, the spindle apparatus is in red, and you have the, the uh, I forget what you call them now, I can't even think anymore about that. You have the spindle apparatus that are connecting and pulling at the different poles of the cell it's going to be pulling it to the top and the bottom to get a balanced set of 46 chromosomes. In B, you have your cell is, is, is aneuploid and it's going to be going off in four different directions. You see, in C, it's aneuploid, it's going to be going off in three different directions. When you have these sets up like in B and C, when the cell is pulling, pulling the, uh, the chromosomes apart, this is one of the mechanisms of, of, uh, of generating uh, an imbalance of chromosome. This was supposed to be a movie. It's not going to show up. Ah, this one, this, this shows you how uh, cancer uh, uh, progresses over time or how, that, how it appears over time, the incidence of cancer. Uh, normally, there is no, before the Industrial Revolution, there's no cancer, really. People just, they, they, they don't need it. But now in the, uh, the, 20, uh, the 20th uh, century, 21st century, we show that cancer is virtually non-existent up to about four, uh, age 40 years old or so. And actually now it's increasing. Now that we're in the 21st century, there's even more and more carcinogens. And of course, all these vaccines that people, carcinogenic vaccines that people are being injected. But you say it's pretty, pretty level, a low level of cancer. And then it starts going up into the 60s and the 70s, it's an explosive level of cancer in the population. And then it starts, if you, if you haven't died of cancer by the time you're 80, you're probably not going to die of cancer. You're going to die of something else. And that's why it's curving down there towards the end. Uh, here is this. I had this one just to show people. It's very uh, kind of technical, but it showed that same plot. And I just wanted to show the difference between that the, the real world data are those little circles. Each one of these little graphs has these circles. Those are real world data, like lung cancer in men. And you see the gene mutation theory that used to be that there were seven gene mutations that caused cancer. That was popular for a while, but it didn't work out. That's the dashed line. You see these dashed lines? Yes. For all of these things. That, that's what the gene mutation theory would predict for these various cancers. And these are just some of them that I, ha that I happen to pick, pick out for examples. Now, the, our aneuploidy theory, our autocatalyzed aneuploidy theory of cancer is the solid line. And you can see how our, our theory actually fits the data, lung cancer in men, lung cancer in women, breast cancer. You see how our solid line fits 
the cervical cancer down here goes right through those data points, prostate cancer, colon cancer, and men. And every cancer we've looked at, our theory goes right through it, predicts it, the progression of it. The, annu the, uh, the gene mutation theory, these dashed lines do not go through the data points. Sure. That shows you a, a, the, the inability of the gene mutation theory to explain uh, what we observe with cancer over time. And we looked at numerous other cancers besi besides these. But sorry, David. Uh, here, if, if, here, yeah, go ahead. You want to go back? No, 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 no. I just want to know why then are the scientists or why is the industry still sustaining uh, the incorrect um, modeling? Well, that's very, I mean, it's easy to explain now because mm. too many billions of dollars, actually trillions of dollars, have been spent mm. over the decades I get on it. the gene mutation theory. Trillions mm. of dollars. The National Cancer Institute and all these other places, they keep looking. There's many explanations for it. First of all, the gene mutation theory, if it were true, meant that if you could identify the mutant genes that cause cancer, ah, we can make a drug that targets that gene mutation. You say, that's the mm. idea. I used to be in that business, I understand it, looking for the target. And if you have a, a handful or a reasonable number of targets, you can then develop drugs for it and go out there and try to cure it or whatever, okay? So that, that was the attraction of the gene mutation theory from a therapeutic perspective because, aha, we can identify, it's a reductionist thinking. We can identify those genes or those mutant genes that cause cancer, we'll make a drug for it, Mm. And we'll make billions of dollars. Well, they have made billions of dollars on it because they keep making these drugs, but they don't work. <laughs> you right. And, and the beauty of it is, in the pharmaceutical industry, uh, 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 billions of dollars, uh, you know, drugs that don't work is what, what fortunes are made of because yes, you can just keep making new ones and new ones and new ones and, and it never ends. And that's, and that's what goes on that happens with, with AIDS, for example. It's, yeah, it sounds like ROVs. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. You just keep going. Mm. Uh, so if if you could cure cancer, uh, mm. that means you're out of business. <laughs> you, you know, you, there's there's no real way to do it. Okay, so we can come back to that if you want to. We'll mm. have room for a, a discussion. I hope sure, before sure, we're over. Sure. With. You tell me when if I need to speed up and say, Dave, you got to get moving, but we don't you, have enough time. You are just doing, let me know. You are you okay. are perfectly perfectly on time. Okay, good. Now here, uh, you, many people have heard of, heard of the pap smear. Have you heard of the pap smear test for cervical cancer? Yes. Uh, the, uh, that, that was, uh, uh, I can't even remember his name now. Uh, pap was his last, Papa Nicolau was his last name. I think it was George Papa Nicolau. He actually understood the aneuploidy theory he, uh, and he used it to develop the pap smear uh, uh, back in the, uh, the 50s, 40s or 50s, I believe, it was somewhere in there. It, but it took about 10 years before they ever started using it. And basically, it had to do with those large nuclei that I showed you at the very beginning. Uh, and the pap smear was, uh, they would take samples from women, and they would look under the microscope to see if they saw those cervical cells that had these huge, gigantic uh, nuclei. And then uh, if, if they didn't, they, they, there was no sign of cancer. And if they did, it didn't necessarily mean they had cancer. But it was something to, to uh, worry about, and you follow it up over time. And it was the only cancer diagnostic to this day that actually reduced cancer and saved lives was, was his pap smear. 
Now, let me show you, here's, here's why it worked. I mean, when we look for our chromosome things, because those, those cells had these huge, larger nuclei. Mm. This, was, this was originally a slide, let's see, yeah, it shows up here. And uh, this Bolton, these people were hoping to use uh, uh, aneuploidy or, or individual chromosomes to diagnose a particular cancer, but they, they never could get it out there because the problem was every the normal cells all the way down at the bottom there in green, you see, they were there. And then there's this jump, this quantum jump from all the various early stages like CIN1, CIN2, CIN3 to invasive cancer. They all jumped up there, you see, and that's what Papa Nicolau saw. He could see these jumps and that's what his thing, these guys wanted to use individual chromosomes to, to try to follow it early on, and they weren't able to do that because they always it was this jump from normal to precancer to cancer, and they couldn't sort it out. Uh, let's see. But if you go, let's see about the next slide. Well, that was going to be a movie too. Anyway, uh, so th that was the problem that they had that they couldn't see it early on. Uh, the by looking at those chromosomes except you're normal or you have cancer, basically. And here is just sort of a schematic about how cancer progresses. Here's our normal cell with our DNA index equal one, meaning 46 divided by 46 is one. And we have our, our 23 chromosomes here. And then over time, there's a little bit, some carcinogen, radiation, the chemical or whatever, it causes an imbalance, a low level. Uh, imbalance here, where you see the numbers of chromosomes are not the two anymore. You're losing a little bit, you're gaining a little bit, but you can't see this with Papa mm. Nicolau's test because the, the numbers are so low that you can't tell you that doesn't change the the nucleus of the cell that much. But then you have early stage cancer. Now you're having a large amounts of chromosomes coming up there. You're having three copies, four copies, maybe six copies of that chromosome, so on and so forth. We have a DNA index of 1.9. This typically when you, uh, uh, well, I don't want to get into too much uh, techno babble. Uh, there's so much detail here that mm. I could get into, mostly for cancer researchers, but I'll just keep going for the typical audience. All right, and then here's mature cancer. Mature cancer typically has a DNA in index of about 1.7. We're able to even theoretically derive this number which is which uh, is in agreement with uh, a century of observations, <laughs> you know. But we could our theory could actually derive this number, how it gets there. You looked like you had a question. No, I was just going to ask. This is all observable. Yes, absolutely, it's observable, and we can actually derive these numbers theoretically, and right. they they coincide with with the observations which is very, very good for a scientific theory mm. with that, that DNA index 1.7. Let's see here, current laboratory cancer-based, okay, let's just keep going. Uh, don't need to get into this, don't need to get into that. Sorry about this, this is a waste of time for a lot of folks, I know. <laughs> oh, there was a fellow in Germany uh, who came up with an instrument where they look, uh, we collaborated with him, and he's a, he's a great guy, and they came up with an automated uh, imaging system that actually uh, measures the DNA index of these cells. And you can see up here, they're able to look at these large nuclei and things. And they're, able, they're actually able to diagnose cancer. Every cancer they've looked at, 
they're able to diagnose it by, by using this automated system. And here is what is no the histogram of a normal cell, which means you're, you're two, you're, uh, you're, you have two copies of every chromosome. That's a normal cell. You see the chromosomes and the nuclei look very similar up there. And then you go down here, you see a little bit, uh, there's, when cells are dividing, you'll have the number four, and normal cells will be dividing, you'll get that. Okay, and then here's cancer. This system shows that uh, your two, you have very few two, but uh, these are cancer cells we're looking at. Most of them are between three and four. Three copies, of three between three and four chromosomes. That's the DNA index of 1.7, by the way. All right, and then you have you have multiple cells that even get even larger out there. And his system could see all these, and these were individual cells. Mm. And he has a histogram where he's showing all these different cells that his computer and mm. uh, uh, is capturing, and then it, it displays it out here. All right. So let's see. Do we want to get into this at all? Pap smears. That's Pap smear. I, I should have done this in advance and got this. Oh, that's the end of it. Sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, I should have, I should have prepared much better for for this thing, uh, for you guys. But uh, if you want to not share the screen right now, we can stop that. And I, uh, your screen okay. is off. <laughs> oh, it's off. Okay, good. So now probably a good time to to, to talk in general and answer questions. Mm. Basically, what I wanted to show, the most important thing I wanted to show, is what people had seen over a century ago. Normal cells have those small nuclei, nuclei in their cells. They're very reproducible from tissue to tissue, right? Cancer cells have these massively large nuclei. Doesn't matter what the cancer is, they're always like that. And there's no such thing as a, as a cancer cell that has a normal combination, a normal complement of chromosomes. And every cancer that has been determined over, over a century now, about almost approaching a century and a half, have these abnormal number of uh, combination of chromosomes. That's the difference between the two. And, and we were able, and, and Theodore Boveri figured this out early on uh, in the late 19th century, wrote a book about it, and got it right and everything. That disappeared over a couple of decades because World War I, World War II, and Boveri died in 1915 after he wrote the book. And we're basically having to rediscover it. Other people uh, over, over the years have looked at it, and they got it right, too, but they didn't really do anything with it. And Peter and I, because uh, we, we, we couldn't get any grant funding, he couldn't get any grant funding, we decided, well, uh, we'll fight this AIDS stuff in our meantime and with our own resources. We'll, we want to look into this chromosomal imbalance stuff, and lo and behold, Theodore Boveri was right. We've published a large number of papers, done lots of uh, uh, experimental work, theoretical work, We've had three international conferences on this stuff, and we have it nailed. And like I say, I published that book on chromosomal imbalance theory of cancer for cancer researchers, and it's out there, and it's right. Yeah, I've got that book, but I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've written another one for the general population, but it's not published yet. It's called The Elephants in the Lab, You'll need uh, to send Personal that to me. Odyssey into the Essence of Cancer, and I was looking for publishers back in uh, 2019, uh, didn't get any, and then uh, COVID started in 2020, and I dropped it. I, mm -hmm. I mean, it's re it's ready to be published, but I dropped it because I've been fighting uh, this COVID-19 scandal uh, full-time ever since, since February of, of 2020. Right. 
And you have no, I, I, it's really, it, it's kind of funny in a way, you know? Uh, well, I was looking forward to talking about cancer. Isn't that weird? <laughs> because, you know, it takes us away from all that COVID crap, you know, yes. that, 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 that scandal. And finally, something that, that is real, something is real. I, I was looking forward to actually talking about something that is real and useful to help humanity well okay you know? so can i can i can i horseshoe and go back to the sure. start and just ask you a couple of questions within the context now of everything that you've explained just so that i that i'm on that i'm on your page okay so let's start at the very beginning when people talk about cancer what do they mean cancer is uh there's lots of different types of cancer, virtually every tissue in the body, including blood, the white blood cells, uh, they have like leukemias and lymphomas, your brain cancer, liver cancer, all kinds of cancers. You can have uh, cancers are these these uncontrollable growths when your normal cells in your body uh, uh, start doing stuff that they don't normally do. They, it, you know, normally everything about life is automatic. You know, you have a fertilization of an egg, everything just automatic, and they everything in your body just works normal. It can be a plant, it can be an animal, it can be us, whatever. Everything is like, it's, it's in harmony. It's working together. And cancer is when you have these cells that no longer are under control. And, the, and, and as we've already discussed, those cells, and only those cells that have an imbalance and a large number of chromosomes, are the ones that actually turn into cancer. Most of those cells die. One reason why we don't have cancer, it, it, it takes a long time, is because these, these cells that have an, an imbalance in chromosomes, they are sick. They are not healthy. They can't communicate among themselves. They're struggling. They almost always die on their own. You know, for uh, 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 ultraviolet light from the sun, from radio, uh, radioactivity, uh, potential carcinogens or just an accident of cell division, you know, you can generate uh, uh, an imbalance in the chromosomes. But fortunately, those things don't go very far because they're damaged cells. All cancer cells are damaged cells. All aneuploid cells, chromosomally imbalanced cells, are damaged cells. They are nowhere nearly as healthy as your normal cells. All right? That's one thing. That's one reason why in competition with your normal healthy cells, the, the cancer cells almost always go away and die on their own. The problem with cancer is, is that we're in this, uh, in the modern environment, certainly since the uh, industrial revolution, and it's just been accelerating since World War II, is that we have been introducing more and more carcinogens. What carcinogens are, carcinogens are anything that can cause cells to have an unbalanced complement of chromosomes. All carcinogens that have been tested uh, uh, for aneuploidy cause aneuploidy, all of them. Radi radiation, uh, asbestos, which is a, 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 a physical, mechanical carcinogen. Every carcinogen that has been tested uh, for uh, cr causing chromosomal imbalance, that's what they do. Even things like smoking, for example. Smoking, that, yeah. Chemicals, it's a, tars, it's a carcinogen, tars, right, right. 
any car. And in fact, that's what a carcinogen is. Burnt, burnt food. A carcinogen food. is anything that causes aneuploidy. Aneuploidy is an mm. imbalance of chromosome. So is, right. bur is burnt food also carcinogenic? What is that? Burnt food, that for example. Burnt food? Mm. It can have carcinogens in it, yeah. I mean, for example, like road tars and things like that, mm. these, these aromatic, uh, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons that are basically chemically inert, right. you know? But they're uh, carcinogens. And, I was, sorry, and they, I, I was asking because when I was growing up, my mother always said, you mustn't yeah. eat burnt toast. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the thing, but remember, you're also digesting these things and you're mm. getting it in really, really small doses. And uh, the, the thing is, is you get these things over and over and over again. That's the problem with carcinogen. Right, the only carcinogen that I know of that all you have to do is be exposed to it once will cause cancer is plutonium. <laughs> you know, it's such a, such a potent carcinogen. All right. But most of car, these carcinogens, most of them are very, very weak. They, they, when, they, when they even do this, they're very, very weak. Uh, if it weren't so, cancer would be a, a historical problem, you know, like throughout uh, centuries, throughout thousands of years. And it is not. It's a modern cancer is a modern phenomenon. What I mean by modern phenomenon I mean, where it happens to enough people where we talk, notice it and talk about it, you know? Sure, people had cancer a long, long time ago, you know, but it wasn't a public issue. They, they, they only became noticeable when so many people were coming down with what we call cancer now, these tumors here, the tumors there, in the 19th century and 20th century. Mm. Uh, that's what it became noticeable because so many people had it and they were discovering it, you know, and trying to understand what, what's causing it. There, uh, so there's no ahead. evidence. There's no evidence either then that some cancers are viral. No, zero, zero. Now, what you can do in the laboratory, what Peter Duisberg did, you know, with the first oncogenes is that he discovered was retroviruses and things like that. Those are laboratory <clears throat> artifacts, and the, the the you know how. The, uh, these retroviruses and these viruses cause uh, aneuploidy in cell culture. You know how they do it? They produce, uh, they, they replicate and produce so much protein inside the cell that it screws up the ability of the cell to divide its chromosomes evenly. Mm. All right, okay. Now the thing of it is, is that the, 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 the reason those, those viruses or those things don't happen in humans that only happens in, in, uh, in uh, mouth rodents that don't have an immune system, for example, or in cell culture, is because we have an immune system. If we have a cell, you know, that's going bonkers like that and have a, a mm. virus or something that causes it, our immune system wipes it out. We never even know it was there. The, these, the, these are laboratory artifacts that only happen in the laboratory mm. under certain laboratory conditions, not in nature. But then David, the elephant in the room. Yep. Talk to me a little bit about chemotherapy. Ah, uh, yes. Chemotherapy is, I forget, it's either the third or the sixth leading cause of cancer. <laughs> 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 you know, they're, they're very, very toxic drugs. They, the idea behind chemotherapy uh, is that cancer cells are these cells that divide, that, that don't stop dividing. The reason they don't stop dividing, they don't, they have, they've lost their ability to communicate 
with other cells that they're in contact with. No, no, you know, when you have cells, uh, the normal the normal thing about no, with normal cells is mm-hmm. that they want to divide until they con- contact other tissues or other cells, then they stop dividing. The, the default mode of all cells are to divide until they come in contact with other tissues, mm-hmm. all right? Cancer cells do not have that contact inhibition. When they just keep on dividing, they don't cut when they come in contact with other cells, they don't stop dividing because they've lost that ability to communicate with that. All right. So uh, and so they just keep growing, you know, if they can uh, and make these little tumors and things. That's that's why they're there. They don't stop growing. But what makes cancer cells really, really dangerous is when they get to be this this DNA index, like I said, a one point seven. Uh, they have 60 to 90 chromosomes somewhere in there. They actually secrete all these enzymes, all these proteins mm. that are normally not secreted by normal cells. These tissue destroying enzymes, where they can, this is where the invasiveness, this is where my expertise came in. And now these enzymes that are normally in check, that normally our body uses to digest uh, a bacteria or dead tissues or whatever, you know, yeah. now these enzymes are outside the cell and they can use, they're used to digest the tissues that the cells are adjacent to but, it. And that's invasiveness. But David, I know people who've had chemo and have successfully come through cancer. What, what, yeah, they do. It's like it's like Russian roulette. Some people don't die. You know? Oh, okay, right. You, you see, I mean, uh, the the uh, the vast majority of people uh, that get cancer die as a consequence of their therapy. I don't know if you've heard of it. I heard it all, all of my life for for many years. You, they said they died of complications due to cancer. They don't say they died of cancer. They die of mm. complications due to cancer. They're almost always treated, and they almost always die of the therapy. Okay, so then, obviously, then what you're suggesting is chemo is a terrible idea. But what is a good idea? Because cancer is ah. a very it's a very it's a very scary idea. Yes, it is. the the the, the thing The thing that you, that I learned from this. Remember, I said mm-hmm. cancer cells are wimpy. There's no such thing as a super cancer cell. They're all damaged. That that imbalance in chromosomes. Remember, that's all. Every time they divide, they get a new combination of chromosomes. They never. They're like snowflakes. Uh, you you know a snowflake when you see one, but you never see the same one twice. Mm-hmm. That's true of cancer cells. No two cancer cells have the same combination of chromosomes. They're very. They're damaged, and they want it. And they die in droves in a lethal tumor. Most of the cancer cells in a lethal tumor are dying on their own. They call it necrotic tissue. All right, uh, and so the, the thing of it is, is that I, I use my hands so people can see here that my hand up near my head, that's the normal, that's the health of your normal cells that are balanced. Cancer cells are down here, their level of health. The higher up you get, the healthier you are, the lower you get, the unhealthy you are. All right. Now, if you, so and the cancer cells are always below your normal cells, but when you give somebody chemotherapy, the chemotherapy kills the cancer cells really fast, but you're also killing your own cells. All right, see that? Your, your health is also coming down. Now the cancer cells can get resistant. You have to stop chemo or radiation or you kill the patient. You can never kill all the cancer cells with the therapies, those toxic therapies. And at some point, now what you've done here before you started the treatment and after you do the radiation, chemo, whatever, that distance between the cancer and your normal healthy cells is like that. You've reduced that difference between there. 
the best thing you can do for cancer to, to, to try to help you overcome cancer is keep this health, keep yourself as healthy as you can, do you, you know? And uh, if you, there's such a thing as called spontaneous remission, it's been known now for God a couple hundred years, where people have these lethal, lethal cancers or whatever, they go away on their own for no explanation. And nobody knows why. A lot of people don't, don't know why. And the thing of it is that there's several hallmarks of spontaneous remission. It can happen to any type of cancer. But the thing is, when they happen, they happen fast. The order of days to weeks. All right. Now, why is that? I'm going to tell you. I know why. I'm, I'm, I already know why. For We don't know necessarily. Ultimately, all we know is that this distance between the health of you and the health of the cancer, all of a sudden, the health of the cancer has gotten really, really bad. And it goes away. That's the spontaneous remission. The, the, and lots of things can, can cause that. Diet can, pregnancy can, fever. One of the things uh, that was really uh, uh, learned early on is that when a person has an infectious, uh, high-spiking fever and they had a cancer, as a consequence of that fever, they didn't know it at the time, but we understand what's going on now, the cancer cells are, live in this very narrow little window of viability. If you change the environment that the cancer is living in, like in the patient, you know, that has uh, a normal temperature, but you give a high spiking fever like that, lasts a couple of days, those cancer cells are dying really, really fast. Uh, and um, a fellow by the name of Coley uh, developed this in the early part of the 20th century, and he turned that into a therapy. In fact, his, his fever-inducing bacterial treatment to this day, is the is the has the best record of curing people of cancer ever in history. Still to this day, it's not used in the United States very much. It, you can get it in, in Europe. It still works there. In other places, hyperthermia. People use elevated temperature. You can change uh, diets in Mexico. They use all these different things. Let me cut to the chase on this. Basically, what's going on here? I like to use this analogy. You've got Granny and her Olympic athlete her grandson are walking down the street together. The granny, granny is the tumor and the Olympic athlete, you know, is, is the healthy cells. All right. Somebody steals granny's purse. Granny and her Olympic athlete chase after the thief. <laughs> granny dies of a heart attack or a stroke, but the Olympic athlete, the good healthy cells go out there and they're just fine. All right. So that, that's, that's what's going on here. You keep the, the person healthy and you exercise them. You destabilize that normal health environment that cancer. Now, it's got this little place in you that's sort of comfortable right now and hopes you don't change. But if you get a fever, if you exercise, you change your diet, you're constantly putting stress on this mm. cancer that's dying on, on, on itself all the time. You're constantly changing the environment, and the cancer just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Now, sure. th this is generally the reason, the explanation for spontaneous remission but we can imply, uh, use this in life. You know, eat well, sleep well, have something interesting, useful to do, exercise, do this and that. You're, you're exercising your body and you're stressing the tumor to death. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds like absolutely legacy knowledge that our grandparents knew back in the day. They just, got it. Just go out into the sun, eat healthy, yes. stay fit, be happy. Try to have less stress in your life. Is that all those things yeah. really? Is it? Is and it? Stay away from drugs. Stop taking drugs. Period. All mm. right. Eat eat good healthy food. 
not those chemically laden foods. Mm -hmm. I mean, go back to eating the, what my grandmother, <laughs> my grandmother used to do. Go back to the way humans used to live. Mm. We would be much healthier, stay away from carcinogens, have good, clean water, prevent cancer. That's the first thing. Prevent it. Prevent right? it, yeah. You, you know? And if you get it, don't be scared. You're tougher than that cancer. Stay away from the drugs. You take those mm. drugs, you're 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 depre you're destroying your healthy self. Uh, I'm guessing part of what you're saying when you talk about drugs is you, you're referring to recreational mostly. No, no, all drugs. All drugs. Pharmaceutical for, for, drugs, all drugs. Pharmaceutical drugs are one of the leading causes of health problems, period. And, sure. then, and then the carcinogens that are in the environment that we've all known, the classic ones. I mean, there are so many carcinogens in the environment now. It, processed, it, you know, processed food. Pro processed food. I mean, any, anything mm. that you can think of. If it comes from a big, a big industry, it's got carcinogens in it. But, so, David, hold on. So I'm sensing also what appears to be a catch-22. There's a conundrum here. Because if cancer, as you say, is increasing because of our uh, artificially increased environment, yeah. uh, is, is there actually then a way out? Because it yeah. seems like it's a downward spiral. No, no, because we can change it. Don't be exposed to it. Uh, like, you know, we, where I live right now, we grow our own food, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. we have uh, clean water, uh, we get spring water, uh, stay, uh, and we, I, I don't go to doctors, I don't take any drugs or anything, and I haven't, I just don't, you know, and I'm pretty healthy, I'm 74 years old, and I'm still fighting, don't get any, any injections, stay away from the healthcare system, I don't mean, if you have a problem, Go to a physician or healthcare individual that you trust or respect. They can help you. You have a broken bone. I had cataract surgery. All right. I can see perfect now. You see, it, these mechanical things, these physicians can do stuff like that. If it's chronic, if it's some sort of chronic type of thing, stay away from those drugs. You know, uh, don't, don't do them. Those drugs that you take every day of your yeah. life, they're dangerous. All these synthetic materials, all these drugs, they are poisons. Some mm. are worse than others, but they're all poisons. If you could give some advice, what would you say? Just that. Don't take any drugs. Uh, stay away from uh, the, the medical profession, the, these big, big houses, big hospitals and stuff like that. Unless you have something like a broken bone, Something that you know, and you know it's a problem, and it can be fixed, like me and my, mm. my cataract and stuff like that. But if it's like chronic diseases or somebody wants to give you, like in the United States or someplace where the drugs are going crazy here, people have drug cabinets, you know, bottles mm. all over here, and they're taking five, ten pills a day. Don't do that. That's that You're, you're poisoning yourself. David, Stay, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, sorry. I was going to ask you, can I read you a question or two from um, – sure. okay, so – uh, both Norman and um, a, a gent by the name of Justice wants to know uh, if I could ask you about cannabis when it comes to yeah. treating cancer and also raising alkalinity of the body. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I don't know a whole lot about that stuff. I, I know that I, I don't think cannabis is a, is a problem, <laughs> you know, that much. I mean, you can get it really, really concentrated. 
you know, and then it is. Uh, you can take anything good and turn it into poison. I mean, vitamin A, which we have to have, if you get too much of it, it'll kill you, you know. Uh, cannabis, no, no, I don't think that's a problem. Not really. No, no, the, the ones that are, that, that are the, the ones that come in bottles that are patented by pharmaceutical companies, those are poisons. And, and what was and, the other one you asked me, the other uh, one besides cannabis, what was that? Alkalinity. Oh, that I don't know. I don't really don't know if that if that's a good thing. I see about it, you know. And but you know, basically, people want to have have a change your pH of your blood. That's virtually impossible to do because your your pH of your blood, for example, is regulated so tightly, and you don't want it to not be regulated tightly. You change it a little bit, man, you're wonky, or you're going to die. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, pH of stuff that you drink. You know, and, and things like that it doesn't matter. Your body handles it once you get it. And we're talking about such low changes of pH. I mean, pH is what seven point four, something like that. Seven is neutral. Seven point four is slightly acidic, or I mean, basic. And and uh, I think some people are talking about pH eight. Uh, your body, you know, for for water or stuff like that that you might want to drink. But basically, your body once it once you talk about your blood and your circulatory system. It is regulated very, very tightly, and you want it to be regulated very, very tightly, mm. or you're not in good health. I might have misinterpreted the question. He's asking not if it's a cause, but uh, cannabis as a treatment. For what, cancer? Yes. Lord, I have no idea. I mean, it, it'll probably relax you. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. that. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that, you know. <laughs> it's but, quite no, stressful. I, 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 I'm, I'm not a physician, and one of the things that I, that I, I wanted to do, I wanted to do, was if if uh, I was getting older, you know, and, and there was no real way to do it. But after I understood cancer, everybody almost within five minutes or thirty seconds, whatever, when I start talking about cancer, somebody wants to know how do you cure it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I said, I said that I, this is what I would do if I had funding, I would go around the world everywhere and i don't care who these people are if they're in the jungle or something like that mm. you know and they, you hear stories of where, wherever and somebody says they have a way of dealing with cancer and tumors all anywhere in the world i would record all this stuff i'd figure it out and see what's going on because i'm looking at my what i call my perturbation theory of cancer the perturbation has to do with you're changing you're not stressing you're, you're exercising a healthy body you're perturbing your healthy body, but it's within normal rounds. It's just a healthy human. You're strong. You can do it, mm. you know, but the cancer can't keep up. So you perturb its environment. They're dying anyway. Like I said before, most of the cancer cells all on their own are dying, even in a lethal tumor. Those cancer cells are dying, just not all of them. So you want to help them do that, help them along their way. <laughs> so mm. make their life difficult which means change your internal environment and have it changing all the time with diet, with exercise, whatever you do, the way you think, the way you rest. In other words, basically live a good, healthy, varied life. And, and I'm looking for that. Like the people, like, like with what Coley did, he found out uh, fever was one of the ways, other people would diet. So I would go all over the world that the people that claim that, that they have some way that they're really having pretty good ways of dealing with cancer. And I've documented, mm. I, I would look at that. That's what I wanted to do, but there was never an opportunity to do that. 
Do you think, David, that the medical industry, particularly in the West, has become too narrow-minded? Oh, it's worse than that. It's become criminal. Criminal. It's focused, you know, narrow-minded focused, but basically it's on, they want, to, they want to stick with genes. They want to stick with genes. The more genes, the better, because if you make, the genes means there's a protein. If there's a protein, it means I can make a drug for it, <laughs> you know? So they don't, they don't have no interest in curing anything, certainly not cancer. Lord, it's worth too much money. Just make the next one, you know, make the next one and make the next one. And just, you know, that's the way they do almost all the diseases right now. So the, sure. the pharmaceutical industry is criminal. Um, but that's but, an awful lot for your audience, you know. I think we should do this again, maybe, and I could get a little bit better organized. I, I, I didn't even think about using my PowerPoint until right before I connected with you. I thought, well, this might be useful. So in front of you, there's a crystal ball. What do you see? About what? Ah, <laughs> that's for you to answer. It's for you to oh, interpret. A crystal ball? Yes. Okay. I mean, right now, I see humanity is in very dire straits right now. I envision the next six months are going to be hor hor uh, horrific for the people in the world. There's going to be mass starvation. I understand that starvation is increasing right now in India and Africa and places like that. It's going to be increasing here in the United States and, and Europe and the wealthier countries. It, it, it's inevitable uh, because uh, the supply chains, I mean, all the stuff that we know about, it's, it's just coming. The economy is going to crash. Uh, the totalitarians are, 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 are at war with us. And we just have to prepare. Like I say, we grow our own food. I'm getting on these Zoom things with all people all over the world, working with lawyers and other people. We, we have to be local. What we're doing here in my state of North Carolina, we're getting with our friends. You know, we're going to help each other. Uh, and we do these various things. Well, I've, on, the, on the international scale, I'm working with uh, like uh, 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 Kennedy and Fulmich and you and all these people all over the world, Catherine Austin Fitz, all these other people sharing information. I, I know a lot about chemistry, the pharmaceutical industry and, and, and that sort of thing. I do know about cancer and I know about the AIDS scam, as you know, and about the, and, and all of that. So we're helping each other learn stuff and sharing it. That's very, very important. And clarity, having some insight as to where we're at, what's coming. That's important. And what's coming is ugly. It's a disaster is coming. A lot of us are not going to survive it, unfortunately. I don't have a clue how many. I mean, we're already, these injections, the, the COVID stuff has already killed countless millions of people around the world. Not COVID itself. No, there's no such thing as COVID. But the, the destruction of food, of uh, health, of jobs, these, these injections have killed millions of people already here in the United States and other places. It's just going to get worse, you know. So uh, I don't know what's I don't know if it's going to have a good ending or not, but it's going to be absolutely horrendous for the next 12 months. Sorry about the bad news. <laughs> well, on that uplifting note, <laughs> David Resnick, <laughs> Thank you for joining me in the trenches. It's good to be with you, man. That's the only good part about all this is getting together. Don't go anywhere. Right. My name is Jim. This is Jim Wolfe. Battle of Ideas. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.